I just fell in love with the theatre, absolutely passionately in love with it. I think the big thing that I've noticed with all of these people is that they have that fire in their belly. Hello and welcome to the Theatre Art Life podcast, sponsored by Harlequin Floors, the world leader in floors, stage systems and studio equipment for the performing arts. Our podcast puts the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the world, the cultural creators, the backstage masters. My name is Anna Robb. And my name is Anna Aguilera. On this episode, Ariana Schneider joins us to talk about writing and recording a musical in Australia. Ariana Schneider has been involved in music and theatre for many, many years. She ran a very successful singing and drama studio from which students were accepted into the prestigious institutions of Sydney Con, NIDA, WAPA, Victorian College of the Arts and the Queensland Conservatory. Ariana has also taught music and drama in many of the schools in her area, as well as writing a mini play and a musical for the students to perform. Currently, she is in the final stages of completing the recording process of a musical she wrote called Crystal Dreaming. Ariana wrote the script, lyrics and music to its 22 songs and worked with a producer-arranger from a professional recording studio, Peter Stevenson, who created a fabulous orchestration. The musical was first performed in 2016 with a fully staged production in Ariana's hometown of Taree, in which 32 performers, including 14 children, took part. The whole town supported the project and they played to three full houses. A film was made of the production. Never having been fully satisfied with the script, Ariana used the lockdown time to take a course in playwriting at the Theatre Makers Studio in New York and also received dramaturgical support from Eric Webb. This support allowed her to do a rewrite of the original score and script. Ariana, welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for agreeing to say yes. <laughs> really nice to meet you. And, uh, yes, same you're... here. <laughs> so tell us a little bit, before we get on to your work and, and uh, Crystal Dreaming, and that, tell us a little bit about how you got into music and theatre generally. Well, I was actually brought up in a musical family. My mother was a fabulous singer. She'd stand in the kitchen and clasp her little hands and sing a heart out. And music was part of our culture. So my sister and I learned piano from a very early age. And I performed for my extended family from the age of three. I used to sing a song, which is way before your time, called The Anniversary Waltz. And uh, I just started then from that point. We listened to all different genres of music too. Classical music was where we started, but folk music was very much a part of uh, what we played on records in those days. And um, we went to concerts a lot. So I was really immersed in music from a very early age. How is it when you decided to make it a professional thing? Well, I decided to learn singing because I always sang and everyone told me what a lovely voice I had. And I sang in many shows at my school and I really wanted to be a nurse, but my father wouldn't let me. So I thought, well, now I'll become a singer. So I started studying at the conservatorium in Sydney. And, uh, and then I thought, well, people always saying what lousy actresses and actors opera singers are because opera was where I really wanted to, what I wanted to sing in. So I decided to study acting as well. So I joined the Independent Theatre North Sydney, which was quite a prestigious drama school. So I paralleled the two, learning acting and singing, and I just fell in love with the theatre, absolutely passionately in love with it. 
I love that you that you were encouraged to not be a nurse and you did arts instead. Because usually we hear people who that's like a first. Told not to go into the arts, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, don't worry. That that wasn't taken very well either. <laughs> I went into the arts. Well, out of interest, why did your father not want you to be a nurse? He was very protective, and he heard what the nurses got up to in their dorms, in their dormitories. Oh. <laughs> worried about the education factor. Oh no 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 no! <laughs> oh my goodness! And so you went you went into teaching and, and all of that. What what was the what was it propelled you to write Crystal Dreaming? And tell us a little bit about what that's about. Well, the seed actually was sown a long time ago when I took my son and a friend of his to the cinema to what was classified as suitable for children a show that was film that was classified as suitable for children. And the imagery in that movie was so horrifying that both my son and his little friend stood up and they became absolutely petrified that with their eyes glued to the screen and they couldn't move. So um, I just felt compelled to take them out of the theatre. And I'm going to get on my soapbox now. My alarm bells have been ringing ever since with what is sometimes considered as children's entertainment when Violence seems to be part of a lot of what is considered children's entertainment. And also, let's face it, negative news is a way of life. So I really, really wanted to make a piece of theatre that was beautiful and uplifting. That's what compelled me to write a musical. And then, I, luckily, I was drawn to read the Telos book series by Louise Jones, and that's about the myth of Lemuria. So Lemuria, the story of Lemuria and the story of Atlanta are actually sort of parallel stories. I don't know if you know the story of Atlantis, but that's where it disappeared beneath the sea. And that same thing happened to Lemuria. The Lemurian civilization was a highly evolved civilization and they were pre-warned. This is the story. They were pre-warned about what was going to happen and that they would be disappearing beneath the sea. So 25,000 citizens managed to survive that. And in order to save their beautiful way of life, they built a mystical crystal city that they called Telos, deep within a mountain. So when I read that, I just thought, this is, you know, the story really spoke to me. And so depicting that way of life as a musical has become my passion really for a long, long time, quite a few years. So uh, you've mentioned um, before that the story, you wanted to do something suitable for children yes. and you took this story. Was there anything specific that you wanted to talk about that was going to make an impact or was going to help children in general? I'm just going by the reaction of the children who actually actually were in the show, um, and they just they loved it. It's like, first of all, there it's very fantastical. There are fairies, gnomes, elves, angels, um, and then these luminous beings from another realm. And the girl who is the main character in it, she's obsessed with crystals, and and she's very different. She's because because she plays with fairies and because she hears angels singing and because she just has this um, very vivid imagination and she has a sense that that she does have a destiny because in the beginning of the show she's too young to know it so 
I guess the whole message with crystal dreaming and with the name even is that, you know, dare to dream, dare to follow your dreams, dare to be different. So they're the messages because she wasn't given a very easy time by her family. So that's one of the issues that, are, that are, I've touched upon. Her father actually left in the play. Her father actually left because he just didn't understand her and he just couldn't bear to be around how different she was, how quirky she was. And, of course, the uh, Mirabelle, who is the heroine, took that on board. And that's very much... I had actually had a psychologist come to see the show and she said that, you know, children who who's come from broken families often blame themselves because... Uh, they take they they think that it's their fault that the parent that their parents split up. So that's another one of the issues that I've brought out in the musical. I think it's really you know it's so important that people or children see uh, live entertainment and theatre and musicals. I agree in terms of the the nature of enough media and entertainment that is quite violent these days. You know, and especially not even on the back of something that people watch, but all of the video games and stuff that people play. And as a parent, you you have to, you know, actively work against that tide, I think. And that's um, providing opportunities in other realms for the kids to focus on is really is really good. And and so when you when you wrote it and when you when you did perform it in Taree and you said that people were really enjoyed the show, did a lot of children and people come get to come to that show? Was it a community show and people, how was that received? Yeah, the community, I had enormous community support for the whole production um, and lots of children did come to see the show because there were 14 children in it. So, you know, their families came and I got a lot of wonderful publicity because I'm I'm very well known in this area because of all the work I've done. So I got a lot of positive publicity and there was quite a build-up for the show to start off with. So, yeah, lots of children did come and see it, which was very gratifying for me. What were the reactions? Well, they loved it. I, I didn't get any. I got some unusual reactions from some adults but that's fair enough. It's, you know, it's horses for courses. No one, you know, not everyone likes you know, or can relate to what's being said or what's... But the children, I didn't get anything negative from children. They all just loved it. And, I've, you know, the children in it in the show wrote, gave me this beautiful book that had all their appreciation of what the show did for them, how the show gave them hope and how they loved being in the show. So I'm very happy with that. As far as I'm concerned, it was a great success. And now a moment for our sponsor. The Theatre Art Life podcast is proud to be sponsored by Harlequin. Harlequin is the world leader in floors, stage systems and studio equipment for the performing arts. Established in the UK over 40 years ago, Harlequin is the preferred performance floor for the world's most prestigious dance and performing arts companies, theatres and schools. From the Royal Opera House to the Bolshoi Theatre, the New York City Ballet to the Royal New Zealand Ballet. Harlequin's experience and reputation are founded on the development, manufacture and supply of a range of high-quality sprung and vinyl floors specifically designed for dance and the performing arts. Backed by an engineering team and independent research, Harlequin also designs, builds and refurbishes stages working with stage engineers and theatre consultants in leading venues across the world. Harlequin is the global leader in its field with offices in Europe, the Americas and Asia-Pacific. 
Find out more at harlequinfloors.com, H-A-R-L-E-Q-U-I-N floors.com. So during the pandemic, you've been doing a rewrite. So what did you want to get out of the rewrite? What's that process been like and, and what's next for the script? I've always been, I've always felt the show is a bit too long, especially for children to come and see it. It went for just over two hours. And, and there were parts of it that I wasn't happy with. While the show was going, we, we, there was actually a bit of, uh, quite a bit of tweaking with the script. But I just thought, you know, I just wanted, because I've done this all myself, I really wanted someone to, from, who was an expert in the field to help me and give me some feedback. So I joined Ken Davenport's theatre class and I actually did a script writing course. I know it sounds like putting the um, cart before the horse, but I just thought, you know, I just wanted to get as much information as I could and to make the musical as good as it could possibly be. So that was very enlightening. And then I also worked with Eric Webb and I sent him the script and he was absolutely fantastic. He sent me an eight and a half page constructive criticism about it and I had an hour and a half Zoom call with him and he went through it with a fine tooth comb and so then I had to sit down with I didn't agree with everything he said but I agreed with a lot of what he said and I could see that the 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 actual script needed to be more cohesive so I sat down through the whole COVID process and did a rewrite and that meant tossing out a couple of scenes and rewriting I had to write a song for the young heroine because in the show she actually starts off as a young girl and then she becomes 16 and then 18. So I had to write a brand new song for the young heroine. I just would like to say a little bit about the people that came. I'm digressing, I know, but the whole cast has just been absolutely amazing from the original show because they came in and they apart from rehearsing the show for over six months, they actually came in and re-recorded the entire show. So writing a new song meant I had to find someone who could actually sing in that genre with who had a lovely young voice, and I found a lovely young girl. And so that was re-recorded, and, um, and then I changed a couple of the other songs as well. One girl... Two worlds. The familiar. If I hear one more piece of nonsense from you, I'll ground you for a week. And the fantastical. Count of six, count of six, count of six. Naughty, 
working with the cast has clearly been very important to you. And I wonder how it was that to work with like working children and all the logistics and all the production. Oh dear, this is going to be a podcast. This is going to go um, out in the world, isn't it? Well, just say the children were fantastic and it was very challenging at times. That's all I can say. But they were the look, like like all children, you know, they they really, really came good and you know, they learned all their songs and they and they got right into the spirit of the show. But a six month the six month rehearsal period is a long time and we rehearse sometimes two or three times a week. That is a lot, lot of, for children's, right? It for is, children to commit for that period of time and, it is. and stay motivated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but you've educated many students in the arts, so you're used to working with youth right so I am I'm sure yes. you have tips and tools of of managing those groups of people <laughs> I have yes yes um, I guess a tip is that when they're getting too rowdy you just absolutely don't say a word and just stand there and look and they gradually get the message and they're, then they're going around saying shh 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 like that, so. <laughs> <laughs> let them come to their own realization <laughs> yeah yeah I must admit I did lose it a couple of times though I didn't follow my own teaching at times <laughs> <laughs> well there's always a lot on the line especially like you said if you've written it and and made it yourself there's you know there's a lot at stake to to, to make that something that you're and so once you've now that you've done or now that you've done that rewrite, what's the aspiration? What what do you want to do with the script and now what's next? I've started sending the script out to various theatres, various producers. My dream is to have it as a live show, showing in many, many theatres. And also I see it because of the magical, mystical content and the fairies, the gnomes, you know, um, the fairy kingdom that's portrayed in the musical, I think it would make a great animated movie. Mm. Amazing. Do, what do you think in terms of like, because the industry, when uh, Anna and I have worked in many parts of the world, but, and I look back as an Australian, as, as the Australian industry being very, very small and tough and competitive and also a country that doesn't necessarily nurture and foster the arts like other countries that I've lived in, unfortunately because we're very sport-minded. There's lots of things in Australia that people spend money and time and investment in. What's your opinion of that? I mean, again, I've been out of the country for a long time. What, are there opportunities there? Is it, is, is it tough as I perceive it? Tell me about that. I agree with you, Anna. It is, it is tough. The performing industry, performance industry, is alive and well, very, very well. And, of course, it's coming back even stronger because of COVID. And there is a huge push now to use Australian content, you know, to use people um, who are not necessarily about Australia but who actually are Australian, who are writing content. I have tried to get my music on ABC Radio And um, I love the ABC. They're just, in fact, celebrating their 90th anniversary. Um, The only thing is, and I have written to them, that they've got every genre of music except music theatre. They've got programs for every single genre of music except music theatre. So that has been a frustration for me. My music actually has been played on ABC Radio here locally, um, but it was a long time ago. And I'm known, very well known here, but I'm not well-known in Sydney or Melbourne. So that is another another challenge that I have to face. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing 
to have done the work, but you, you know, in, in in the industry and just generally, no matter, you have to be an advocate for yourself, and you have to get out there and you have to grind to get in in front of people's faces, right? No matter what role or job you're doing, and and that's half the job. That's exactly right. Yeah, and I've only just recently retired actually from teaching from my studio. I retired at the end of last year, and that's why I'm really focusing now on getting the musical out there. And it's it's been. I really loved the process and I have gotten a little bit of feedback already. So that's positive feedback. So that's been, that's keeping me going at the moment. <laughs> and thank you to both for agreeing to talk to me as well. That's, it's huge. It is, it's huge. I mean, I've spent years doing it and it's been, uh, it's been totally self-funded. My beautiful husband thought he was we were going to retire and get in our little van and just go around Australia and then I decided to write <laughs> I decided to write a musical he had to completely rethink his retirement and bless his heart he actually went back to work to help fund this that's amazing well you know it's it's always Anna and I's focus to find these pockets and corners of the world of people doing arts and um, dig into their work and life and and uh, you're definitely one of those people that we've we've discovered so it's fantastic I do want to ask you having educated many students in the arts and and obviously sending a lot of people to Whopper and NIDA and and for those who are not Australian these are the major arts institutions in Australia to train to be in the entertainment industry what do you see as the key steps having been an educator for so many years for success in the industry it maybe it might be very Australian focused but what do you see that the kids need to do or be to, to get a career, especially in such a small market and competitive arena? As they say, um, thousands are called but few are chosen. And even those of my students who've made it to those esteemed education centres have had a struggle to be recognised and to get work in the industry. But I think the big thing that I've noticed with all of these people is that they had that fire in their belly. And they were prepared to do anything, to do, to do drama exams, singing exams, go in competitions all over the place and study, 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 work really, really hard. And that's, that's how they made it to where they, where they made it. There's one of my students who's actually now in San Francisco, one of my ex-students is now actually in San Francisco, who's doing very well. And she wants to be an opera singer. And um, I've been, her mum keeps sending me recordings of where she's at. And, you know, the development in her voice is just amazing. And I'm really, really hoping that she's going to make it big time. But she has worked relentlessly and done everything that's required. That must be very, very nice to see. What, why do you think it's, uh, or what does it take within the Australian context to be recognised? Is it just a matter of networking or is it a matter of work? I don't know. Look, I can't really answer that except to to say that I just think you need perseverance. And I think, you know, it's often entered my head and I probably will end up doing it um, because I really only just started promoting it now is to just go and actually turn up physically, knock on doors and say, look, I have this this is what it's about. I've got, I've got everything, you know, I've got all the um, orchestral backings. I've got the guide vocals for all the songs. I'm just working on getting the new libretto together. So it's just really, um, that's what I think I'm going to have to do. Mm. 
and get out there. And even, even, <laughs> even go to the ABC and studio and say, hi, here I am, you know, these are my songs and I'd really like you to listen to them and consider them for to play on one of your radio shows. Have you thought about trying um, to promote that sort of internationally as well? I mean, maybe it's a, a big jump across a pond, but, the, you know, if there's not reception in Australia, there's the rest of the world, right? Yeah, I have started that already and I actually have had a response and that's all I'm saying at the moment, but I'm very excited. We always um, sort of finish up our podcast by asking um, what's your favourite thing about your job and now that your job is is working on this, uh, this script and promoting it, what, what's the most favourite thing about um, putting yourself out there for the, with this musical? I think the big thing is just having faith and really loving your product. I, I, I love what I've done and one of the great joys for me going through the process has been when I've sat in at Turnaround Music, which is the studio where I've been, uh, that's been doing the instrumentation for my music and hearing the finished product, you know, through Peter's massive speakers and just sitting there being surrounded by the music that I've written. And I've often bawled my eyes out, which I'm going to do now. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So if there was something about the way the industry works or about your job that you could change, what would you change? I would actually change the fact that I thought I knew everything at the beginning because I've been steeped in music and theatre. And so I thought I knew how to do it all. And I would have asked for help much earlier from, from experts much, much earlier. That's what I would change. I think it's it's interesting because you know theater by its nature is a collaboration of people right like and that's that's what makes it beautiful and when the, when you put yourself out there something that you wrote you have, you're exposing yourself right and so that's why it's that it's that wonderful juxtaposition between holding on to what you've created and letting people come in to lift it up you know and I think um it always generally gets better when you bring the other people into it like you said Mm, mm, mm. So you're going to let us know when someone can go watch it and which venues it's playing, when it's playing live on the ABC? I certainly will. I certainly will. (laughs) Definitely. Yes. Yes, absolutely. If it does, if it comes around and you've got an opportunity where it's going to be on, we'd love to go write an article about it uh, for Twitter Live. So let us know how it's going. (laughs) I will. Thank you so much. Yes. Ariana, thank you for uh, having a podcast with us today. We really enjoyed meeting you and we wish you all the best in, in your uh, putting uh, Crystal Dreaming out to the world and uh, look forward to seeing it on the stage. Thank you so much, both of you. Theatre at Life is a global media site for entertainment. Memberships start at only $38 US per year. You can have unlimited access to our daily published articles, including entertainment news and the writings of active industry professionals, ensuring that you are always up to date on the global happenings in the world of entertainment. Become a part of the international entertainment community and join us now at www.theaterartlife.com.